It's Sunday night, and we are talking about prophecy, about the end of time. Is it going to be soon? When is it going to be? What are the signs of prophecy that Christ is coming back? I started studying prophecy seriously in 1964 when I was on the road with my singing group. started spending time, an unbelievable amount of time on prophecy. I'd been hearing about it ever since my father started preaching in 1949. We'd go to all these fellowship meetings, and these would-be scholars would getting up and talking about how we know the Lord's coming back, and he's coming back before the tribulation, and a pre-trib rapture. We don't believe that at all. It used to bother me because I couldn't understand why they were saying what they were saying. We're going to be changed at the last trump. That's going to be at the very end of time. There's seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. The seven angels, remember angel is the word angelos. It means messenger. Take angel and throw it out of your Bible and put the real word messenger the word is angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S. It simply means a messenger. Now, you can have Michael the archangel. He is a messenger of death. He was the death angel. He killed 185,000 men soldiers of the Assyrian army in one night over there builds up to it starting in the 18th chapter of 2nd Kings 2nd Kings 18 and 19 you'll see him killing all these people well he's the death angel I believe that when men are slaughtered when the death angel came down and slaughtered 75 or excuse me, 70,000 men when David numbered Israel. I started with a dollar sign. Killed 70,000 of these Israelites because David numbered Israel in his pride. I believe that's Michael. That he, God's told it, says he told the death angel, back up, I've killed enough people. I believe that's Michael. And you can have an angel an announcing angel, which is Gabriel. Gabriel is the one who gave Daniel, Daniel 9, 24, I can't, not 4, 2, 4, 24 through 27. These verses right here, 24, 25, 26, 27, these four verses... I believe are the key to understanding the very end of time and how it will come about and how now we won't know exactly when they happen, but we'll be able to see. The Lord says, I will not show you the day nor the hour. You no man will know the day nor the hour. But he said, I will give you signs when you see the things coming about that I'll tell you about in Matthew twenty four then you know that the end is nigh. I believe we have to be pretty close to it. I believe things are going to happen in this world. <laughs> That's going to shock the world. 
and I believe it'll be a collapse of our economy. Uh, people say, well, the economy won't collapse. God wouldn't do that to us. Well, would he do that to Africa? Would he do that to India? Would he do that to Mexico? Would he do that to Greece? Would he do that to Italy? All of those nations are collapsing. They're on the verge of just toppling. And with all the money that we owe, we're also on the verge of that. I've got, there are many signs. I brought a magazine with me, and I don't know if I set it up here or not. I wanted to read something to you. The Bible says that at the end of time, that the fish are going to be dying in the sea. Uh, I had it here, and I was going to read it to you. And I've gone and... I don't think I've got it here. i got it somewhere. If I find it, I'll read it. But it's about the earth. The, the seas are becoming very corrupt with plastic. There's hundreds of millions of tons of plastic in the sea. And the fish are dying all over the world. There's a short... I don't know. I'm getting old. I can't hold on to a piece of paper. The fish are dying... And I brought it to read it to you. And I don't, here I am. Miss, here it is, right here. The Bible says that if you look over there in the 8th chapter of Revelation, I'm trying to show you the things that are happening in the world that show that we are at the somewhere, the end of time is closing in on this world. I noticed that the preachers, when I was a little boy, used to preach about the end of time, and not hardly anybody is even talking about it. The Bible says there'll be a great falling away. And here in this eighth chapter, in the eighth chapter, and there's seven angels that have seven trumpets. Remember, a trumpet is a voice. It announces things. If you're in the military and you hear... Reveille, that means get up, it's time to meet formation. If you hear taps, it means it's time to go to bed. They're voices. Anywhere you see trumpets in the Bible, it means it's a voice. And the Bible says in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Every trumpet has to have a life-giving sound, and you have to know what it means. If you're going into battle, you've got to hear that charge. That means charge. But you didn't have to have the guy tell you what. They just simply sounded the trumpet, and that told you what to do. Well, these guys are sounding trumpets here. These are seven angels. They're the seven messengers of the seven churches. And they've been given seven trumpets. And look here at this first angel sounded in verse 7. The first angel sounded. There followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees of the earth are burned up. And people say there's not going to be the, the, uh, the Republicans say, well, we're not heating up here in the earth. Well, certainly we are. I've, you can go on the Internet. Look up, is the earth heating up? And the scientists will tell you what they do is they take all the temperature of a year, all year long, 365 days, and they take it and average it out to what the medium temperature would be. 
medium temperature, that would be an average of the whole year, and the earth is absolutely heating up. That's why the the glaciers are melting in the uh, Glacier National Park in Montana. We used to have like 158, I believe it was, when Robert Taft, the President of the United States, declared that a national forest, the Glacier National Park. That was in 1910. Well, it, they've melted off so much, we only got about 26 to 28 glaciers now, as opposed to the 150-something back then. The ice caps are melting. Uh, a third of Greenland, I believe it was a third of Greenland, broke off of Greenland because most of Greenland is ice. It's up there in North Atlantic. And uh, it talks here about the second angel sounded, and it was great mountain burning with fire. We've already talked about that being Babylon. God says, I'll make Babylon a burnt mountain. It's, they've, she's deceived all the earth. And cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. That means as we get closer to the end, there's going to be a shortage of certain fish in the sea. There's a shortage right now. I said uh, the grouper and the uh, and the orange ruffy and some of the other fish, there's a shortage of them. You can't go into the store and get them like you used to. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. It's talking about the method of, of uh, shipping, uh, FedEx or whatever it is. And then when you look over here in... And uh, the 19th, not the 19th chapter, the 16th chapter, these same seven angels have seven, they have seven vials. A vial was a bowl. They had bowls that they would pour on the enemy. They would pour on the enemy from off the top of a, if this was the city, you've seen this in old Robin Hood movies. They have these bowls that are full of of molten lead or, or rocks or whatever. And as these guys would put these ladders up there, they'd pour these bowls down upon them as a defense for the city. And here in the uh, 16th chapter, verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Now, the Republicans don't have to believe that, but it's going to happen, and it's already happening. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give God glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain." Now, it doesn't matter what the Democrats say. See, the Democrats say we need to stop making these big SUVs uh, because that's given the world uh, too much uh, chlorofluorocarbons in the atmosphere and up in the ozone, and it's burning up the ozone. Well, that is happening. But here's the point. God says, I'm going to bring the sword, the famine, the pestilence, then I'll have the beast ruling at the end of time. And the, we absolutely have 
the earth heating up. We've got all kinds of signs about the end of time. And we've got men are pouring poison into our oceans. I'm not on a I'm not on a crusade to get people to quit doing that. They're not going to quit. That's like wanting people to quit being loving money and quit uh, having demon in them or demonion or distributing forces. That ain't going to happen. I'm here to tell the Democrats, you're right, the earth is heating up, but there is no answer. You're not going to cure and remedy God's judgment, Democrats. And Republicans, you're being very naive. You think it's, well, we're not heating up. We don't need to control our SUVs and quit making things that's putting so much gases in the air. Well, you're right. We don't need to do that because it's going to heat up and then turn around. Some Democrat will say, but that's just a cycle. Well, guess who's causing the cycle? Every 100,000 years, this will happen. Well, we're in the 100,000 year point. Let me read something to you here. This is out of a magazine I got. Has some interesting stuff in it. And I'm not talking about whether this is a liberal or conservative magazine. This is some factual stuff. Here, listen to this. How bad is pollution in our oceans? A garbage truck's worth of plastic enters the oceans, the world's oceans, every minute. Every minute, somewhere in the world, a garbage truck's worth of plastic, just every minute, poured it into the oceans. All told, humanity has dumped up to 14 million tons of plastic pollution into the seas. That's going to kill the fish, isn't it? That's called pestilence. And bits of it can be found from water surface down to its most extreme depths. You wouldn't know it looking over the side of a ship since much of the waste has been broken down by waves and ultraviolet light into microplastics, particles often as small as a millimeter wide. But when researchers in 2015 analyzed more than a million pieces of trash in the Pacific, 99.9% of it was plastic which is not biodegradable. It will not disappear and dissolve into the soil. Scientists have no idea how long that will take to degrade or become de degradable. What about 10,000 years? Perhaps hundreds of years, if ever. By 2050, according to World Economic Forum, there will be more plastic by weight in the ocean than fish. Now, you can believe that or not believe it. don't matter to me whether you do or not. That just goes along with the Bible saying there's going to be these great disasters coming at the end of time, along with an overcrowding, along with famine. And we've got famine all over the world. You got a million people laying in the streets of Calcutta, India, living in little boxes, dying of starvation. You got the same thing in Bangladesh. You got it you've got in those foreign countries, you've got people starving to death. Not three or four, millions. Now that's a part of that's a part of the sign of the end. The other another part of the sign of the end and 
I could go online and pull all kinds of information off, and we could talk about this for days, how much pollution is in the world, how people don't have food. We can also talk about, like we did this morning, about the apostasy, all these preachers lying, not defining any words. God says, if you preach like that, I'll destroy you with the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. You've got that, and you've got Israel. You've got many signs that the end is coming. You've got Israel having been scattered. So you've got pestilence of all kind. You actually have sword, which is wars. I, I challenge you to do this. Go online and just look up just Google how many current wars are going on in the world. They'll give you a long list of countries that you're not even familiar with. They're at war. you got wars everywhere. Even in the Arab countries, the Shiites and the... Uh, 40. What are the other guys? Huh? Sunni. Sunnis. I can't hear. The Sunni. Oh, the Sunnis, yeah. The Sunnis and the Shiites that are at each other's throat, and they war in battle. And then America comes over there, and they say, whoop, let's stop, let's shake hands, let's get together and attack the Americans. They're fighting each other, whether they're attacking us or not. You've got wars. I'll get something in a minute that'll write. you got wars. That's the sword. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars as we come towards the end of time. You got the sword, the famine. That is the thing that's happening to the oceans. That's a lack of food. That's the economy. That is these interest rates. Interest rates. Uh, we stand out in front this morning after church, and Scott came up to me and said, "How is it with houses when the when the rates go down? Do the prices come up?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "He said, well, do they come down when the rates go up?" I said, "That used to be the way it is thirty years ago, but they've been going up. The price been going up, and they've got the rates down to three percent. But a house that sold for." Fifty nine nine is selling for three hundred and twenty five now, and that was just thirty years ago when I was in real estate. None of the properties are worth what people are asking for; they're just not. There's not any remedy to that, especially when you owe as much money as we owe in the national debt. There's no way out. The Bible says, "At the end of time, there will be distress of nations with perplexity; the sea and the waves roaring." More monsoons, hurricanes in current last 20, 30 years than we've had in hundreds of years. More powerful. We've never had the blight of the hurricanes and, and the storms that we've had in these recent years. Everything is just overcoming uh, the nation. You've got all of these... These chlorofluorocarbons, that's why they pass laws to putting 
those spray cans like you've used for your deodorant. They had a new system. They couldn't use that gas because it's going up in the air and it burns up the ozone and it causes the causes a greenhouse effect, causes the earth to heat up. I've done a lot of study on that. Is that true? Well, yeah, it's true. Al Gore didn't invent that. I was studying El Nino 10, 15 years before he ever come up with writing a book about it. What is El Nino? El Nino means the child. El N-I-N-O. That means the child in Spanish? That's because it came every December when it first started coming. And it's kind of in memory of the Christ child. Yeah, it's masculine. Huh? El Nino is masculine. It's what? Masculine. It's masculine. Okay, it's masculine gender. So it's talking about the Christ child. El Nino is a section off of South America. This is Central America coming up into the states here and going over to California. Huh? I can't hear you. Okay, do I? All right, if I can find my. Huh? Oh, okay. If we've got the entire section of. Here. here. No. Yeah, here, right here. There's a section off the coast of South America over here. It's a section of seawater where the trade winds quit blowing. I wonder who's in charge of the trade winds. So that when the trade winds quit blowing, the water heats up. And it started evaporating and goes up into the atmosphere. This has been going on since the 50s, particularly the early 60s. And I was looking into it back then. And it goes up into the stratosphere and it's carried all over the world. And it causes, it causes in Australia, it causes droughts. It causes droughts in western part of America. Uh, United States, it causes floods in the middle of the United States. El Nino is just one of the many things that we cannot fix. God is the one that causes the trade winds to quit blowing. And that section of El Nino out there is larger than the United States. Now, you we can talk about this all day. I'm trying to zero in on why why we're close to the end of time. All this and much more if you when you see all of this all of these wars and rumors of wars, we've got we have never had the likes of the orgay. Orgay is a word that's usually wrath it's feminine gender. The ada on the end of a word is feminine gender. It's the wrath of a man who is covetous and he wants to get even.
all these shooters that get in the top of these buildings, they want to get even at the world for their failures. So they get up there and they shoot 50 something people like that guy in Vegas. And then they start shooting people like the guy in Riverside, California, or they go into McDonald's and they shoot 25 or 30 people. Uh, I always think of uh, Killeen, Texas, where that guy, a uh, real handsome guy, his mind was so perverted and twisted, he drove his pickup truck back in the 70s into one of the Luby's cafeteria and got out and started killing people. Killed about 23, 24 people before they could shut him down before he blew his own brains out. This is going on all over the country. It used to be that was an, uh, an unusual thing to find it was unique. It was a one-time thing. Unique comes from uni, meaning one. It was a one-time thing. But now it's nearly every week somebody's killing. They're driving into McDonald's or driving into Luby's or driving into something or getting out, driving into a crowd with a car and just cutting people down because they have got all of this or gay. And that's a part of the war. And it's a part of man's desire for self. In fact, there's a verse that has to do with the orge. It's one of the most interesting verses I've run across. I decided to look at it in the original Greek text. Look over here in Revelation 6. It's talking about the end of time in Revelation 6. Talking about, I'll read it again, verse 12. I beheld... And he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. It doesn't mean a literal earthquake. Earthquake is the word seismos, S-E-I-S-M-O-S. -S seismos, and we got our word S-E-I-S-M-O-G-R-A-P-H. It means something that measures the size of an earthquake. We have a seismograph, that's what that does. Well, it, it comes from the word sio, S-E-I-O. That's also the word for tempest in the New Testament. So it can be a storm, it can be an earthquake, or it can be an economic earthquake, which we're in right now. We, this thing is not going to solve itself. You know, I've noticed that no preachers want to teach on the end of time because they don't want to scare people and they don't want to scare their constituents, the ones who vote for them. Then he goes on down here and he says, the stars of heaven fell to earth. Well, first of all, he says, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became blood. For something to become blood and to die, to become blood meant to die. If the moon dies, that means... You're not getting a shining from the moon. It don't mean the moon becomes red. It means you don't see a moon with a white light coming from it because that's the reflection of the sun. And that's talking about truth, that truth will die. There's no reflection of the moon and the sun will be turned to darkness or there'll be no truth. And that's what Micah, the third chapter says. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth. There's seven stars in this same book. And the Bible says in the eighth chapter, just read one of these. The third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven. 
he sounds his trumpet and the star is the judgment that's coming from his mouth. That's what it is. I keep saying, you cannot have a shower of meteors hit the earth. One meteorite hitting the earth that's two miles wide would call it a nuclear winter and you'd have the clouds all over the earth and everybody would die. It can't be that. It's going to be these seven angels pronouncing judgment upon the earth. Then he says, Stars of heaven fall, and the heavens departed as a scroll. Heavens was a term for the ruling class. The heavens that used to be here was Israel. They were called the heavens, or kingdom of heaven. And there's a new heaven and a new earth, and we are the new heavens, the church. And the kings of the earth and the great men, and the rich men and chief captains and mighty men, and every bondman and every free man, hid themselves in dens and rocks of the mountains. That's what the ancient people did when they were overwhelmed by an army. They'd run into the mountains to hide. They're looking for protection. Hiding in the rocks and the mountains has the idea of looking for protection for yourself. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb. It says from the orgay of the Lamb. Well, is it? does Jesus have an orgay? No. He puts the orgay on man. That's what the Bible says. That, and the reason it's feminine gender is because Babylon is the mother of harlots. Babylon is the mother. And she was founded on self. When self is angry because self has been beat out, that's why these guys get in these buildings and go in these crowds and start shooting everybody. And the Bible says the next, I looked in the interlinear Bible. Now I've got one here somewhere. It's right there under your papers, under your magazine. Is it under here? Oh, here it is. Let me read that to you out of the interlinear. This is actually what it says. 6 and 17. Oops, I got it upside down. I won't find it that way. 6. Alright. Revelation. This is from the original text. All right, six seventeen, and the wrath of the Lamb. It's the taste, tau, ada, s, the o r g ada sigma. The feminine, that's feminine. This is feminine. The wrath that God places on man, they're afraid of the wrath that God puts on men because it's going to be coming, it's going to be running rapid at the end of time. And the great day, great is the word megale. It is M-E-G. 
M E G E L E Megalay, feminine gender. We say mega. Guy makes lots of money. He's got mega bucks. Megalay, great. Feminine. That's what it says. Feminine, great day, not of his wrath. Doesn't say that. I'm sorry, but it doesn't say the great day of God's wrath. It says the great day of the wrath of the Lamb because came the, the, is hey, feminine gender, God is not a female, hey, a mera, hey mera, hey, m, m, E R A. That's feminine. Great. Hey, Mara. The great. Hey, every one of these words are feminine. It's not God's wrath. It's man's wrath is going to come upon the earth at the end of time, and it's here. It's ought to be scary. It's not going to stop. They're not going to quit climbing up in buildings and start shooting the crowds. That's not even going to happen. Hey, how does verse 16 supposed to read then? Well, hold on a second. The great, the megalay, the M E G L Ada. The Great, the, every word in this is feminine gender. God's not a female. What he's talking about is the orgay is going to come upon the earth and men are going to get even with everybody. Al-Qaeda is going to get even with America. ISIS is going to get even with us. This is going to be rapid all over the world and it's not going to stop. The great... The great, the wrath, the taste. Let me move this. Looks like you got mu, e, mu up there. See that? Looks like mu, e, mu. No. M, u, m. M, e, m. This is an Ada. I didn't write this. Oh, it okay. comes out of the, I'm, I'm looking at the interlinear. That's an Ada. M, Ada, the, the G, and L, Ada, Ada. It says, man, let me finish up this. Then it says, the wrath, taste or gaze, taste, tau, Ada, Sigma, Tase, O, R, G, Ada, Sigma. Feminine gender, feminine gender. Is the wrath.
This is the wrath of man. It is his anger and rage, his envy. I want to get everybody back for what they've done to me. Well, does... Does... uh, the Arab people have any right to attack us? Well, yeah. They they occupied that land for 300, for, from 1517 in the Middle East to 1917. For 400 years, they occupied the land. And then we said God gave it to Abraham in Genesis 28, I'll get it in a minute. Genesis, the 17th chapter. Then he took it away when they went out there and went after Baal in the grove and so forth. And then through the development of time, the Arabs end up possessing the land, 1517. 1917, the British forces led by Allenby, General Allenby came in and took the land and they issued the Balfour Declaration. So the Arabs think the land belongs to them, and the Jews says it belongs to us according to Genesis 17. And they're saying possession is nine points of the law, and we own it, and we say, no, you don't. It belongs to Abraham, and there's no answer. So they're all going to say, we're going to get you back for stealing from us. That's what's going on with all of these. It's the orge of man is loose. It's not going to stop. So it says, the orgays, A-U-T-O-U, A-U-T-O-U. That's of God, masculine gender. The orgay that's on man, the book of Romans says the orgay is placed upon man by God. And the Bible says the orgay was our flesh. It's in our flesh there in Ephesians, the second chapter, verse two. It's our nature. So it says. The it basically here's what it says. Apo tastes or gaze the wrath of the lamb. Arnia. O.T. because came feminine gender the Day, both feminine gender, hey, Mera, hey, Megalay, the great, taste or gaze the wrath that comes from God. And who shall be able to stand when this comes on the earth? He wouldn't say who shall be able to stand if the great day of this wrath was God coming back and taking us out of here, he wouldn't say who shall be able to stand. Who shall be able to stand under the wrath that's going to come upon the earth from man? We can't stand under this. And that's actually what it says. It's all feminine, and I deny that God is a female. So, what is our answer Get on our face before God. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's not going. Are you talking about the the last tribulation? It's talking about the end of time. There's going to be great tribulation. It'll go with this verse over here in Matthew 24. Look at Matthew 24. 
there's going to be a bad time. It's going to be the last three and a half years of the 70 weeks of Daniel, there'll be three and a half years of peace, of peace, and then there'll be three and a half years where the church will go under attack. And the Bible says, we which are alive, we, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 4, in fact, look at that real quick, because all these verses go together with a terrible thing's going to happen at the end of time. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Hold your place there in Matthew 24. 1 Thessalonians 4. Everybody's talking about a pre-trip rapture, so there's an easy out, and you can live the way you want to till you get raptured out of here. No, you can't. When God begins to shower this wrath of man, and it started right, it's already started. It's not going to slow down. I may die before it gets in full gear, but I hope I'm here. He says here in First Thessalonians 4, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which have died in Christ, and their bodies are asleep over there in the grave, that you saw not even as others which have no hope. They are completely sorrowful but if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them which also sleep in Jesus sleep in Jesus was a term for the dead who had died in Christ them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him what's going to happen he's going to come back in the air I don't know how high it's going to be he'll come back and those that are dead in Christ, he'll bring with him. The spirits he'll bring with him. They'll hit the ground. And it'll happen in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. You won't see it happen. It'll happen so fast. I looked up on the internet. Twinkling of an eye. An eye twinkles at about one billionth of a second. You can't see that, can you? Just be... You can't even say it that fast. And then he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, perilipa, P-E-R-I-L-E-I-P-O, means to survive. Those of us that survive the great onslaught, of the church. The onslaught, the attack that we have here in this fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we that survived that last three and a half years while they're killing the church right and left. They may break in the door of grace and truth one day and say, Mr. Brown, we have a cease and desist order. You cannot run down any more people, any more so-called Christians and these preachers that you've been running down. And that's what we're supposed to do is call down the lying false teachers. And if they do that someday, they'll have to come up with a constitutional change, with another amendment saying, you can preach your message, but you cannot 
run down some preacher and that's what our message is about calling down lying preachers like Kenneth Copeland and T.D. Jakes and Charles Stanley and Billy Graham they've lied we're supposed to call them down but they're going to tell us we can't do that I don't know when it'll be but it will happen because this orgay of man is man is in a rage we look at all that and say well maybe they'll get this in control no they won't the Bible says they won't. There'll be no answer. For this is the word of word by the this we send you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and survive the great slaughter and the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before those that are asleep in Christ over in the grave. The Lord will come. He'll bring the spirits of those with him. They'll hit the ground in a twinkling of an eye and have their new bodies and we'll go up to meet the Lord in the air with them it'll happen instantly and you, if you're looking for it you ain't going to see it for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout Kaluo a war cry now the Bible says that the man of sin is going to attack Christ. How do they attack the Lord? Do they go out here on a mountain and aim missiles toward the sky so they can try to shoot Jesus out of the sky when he appears? You attack a man's wife to attack him. And that's what they're going to do. You say, Jim, you don't have a good word for us? Yeah. The good word is the Lord is our salvation. He is our righteousness. He's the one that will deliver us even in death. I don't know why most of the Christians don't want to die. They're always talking about being healed so they can live longer in these sick bodies we've got. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a war cry, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and survive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. With the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now go back to Matthew 24. Is that trump the last trump? Well, yeah, it has to be the last trump. The seventh trump of Revelation 7, uh, 10 and 7. When the last, the seventh trump sounds... The Bible says the mystery of God will be finished. The mystery of God is that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs. The mystery of God is the church. And finishes teleos. It means complete. The last elect. Somebody will be out there will be the last person to believe and come into the fold. The last believer in history. Boy, I would like to know who that is. The last believer in history to come into the fold and to be birthed and born again by Christ and everyone else will be vessels of wrath. Huh? Might be the last baby Yeah. Yeah. So, look over here in Matthew. It's the same thing Matthew's saying. We have never seen in the world what's coming because 
Second Timothy says, in Second Timothy, I'll, then I'll get back to Matthew 24. Second Timothy. It's not going to get better. Don't think it is. These things are not going away. Man's orgay, the great day of man's wrath that God puts upon man has come. And who shall be able to stand under this great slaughter? All right. He says over here in Second Timothy, first, excuse me, first, I'll get it right. Second Timothy 3, 3, and let's read from verse 10. But thou hast fully known my, my doctrine, Timothy, manner of life, purpose, faith, suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, and afflictions. This is verse 11. Which came on me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. Lystra's where they tried to kill Paul and leave him from dead. Right up there in the center of Turkey, what we call Turkey, always called Asia Minor back then. He first went to Antioch. They run him out of Antioch there in the 13th chapter of Acts. Then he went over to Iconium. And then at Iconium, they threw him out. This was the Pharisees threw him out. And he went to Lystra, and the pagans accepted Paul. And starting in the 13th, going through the 14th chapter of Acts, and at Lystra, the pagans accepted Paul. And then those, those Pharisees came down from Iconium and talked these pagans that accepted Paul and Barnabas into stoning them outside of Lystra. And then Paul got back up on his feet. Somebody bound him up with splints. And then he says, What persecutions I endured out of all them of the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That goes with this morning's message. If the righteous scarcely be saved, if you're really a believer, you're going to suffer persecution somewhere in life. That's an imperative, isn't it? Huh? That's an imperative. Well, it's absolute. It's because God said so. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving... And being deceived, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He's saying, it's not getting better. There's no such thing. You think the world's, you think you're going to have an easier time in the future? You're not. That's right. You can't even recognize all the propaganda. I am old. I've learned in my life not to believe what men say. I don't believe real estate agents. I don't believe car salesmen. Don't believe my doctors know absolutely what they're doing. They are practicing medicine. Notice practice. Uh, they don't know everything. I learn as much as I can about my medications. And then I go talk to the doctor about them and say, this doesn't work. Have you got something else that works better? And they'll suggest things. They are, doctors are high class mechanics. Take these two pills 
And if it doesn't work, come back Monday and we'll overhaul your carburetor, okay? <laughs> Same thing. You cannot... They do the best they can and they treat us, but most of them keep disease at bay, but they don't cure it. You notice that, haven't you? And you know why they can't cure it? Because you're made out of flesh. And it's wearing out. Now, go back over here to Matthew 24. These are the things that's going to happen right before the end of time. I expect any day for the world to start collapsing. For all these guys are pretending in Washington that they're putting things in check and they're not. You know what I believe? I believe those senators and those presidents and those vice presidents and those congressmen, I believe they know what's going on if they've got good sense. What they're trying to do is fool themselves that if they pass this bill and cut spending over here, they're going to be able to cure this. And the Bible says they're not. There'll be perplexity. It's not going to happen. It's not going to end. And he says here, let me kind of back up here a little. Verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold coming down towards the end of time. Iniquity is the word anomia. A-N-O-M-I-A. Anomia is a construction of the word nomos. Nomos is the word law. It means legal food for animals. In our case, we are sheep. It's legal food for sheep. Placing the alpha in front of nomos translates anomia, iniquity, and the alpha privative negates the word nomos, which is the word law, and it means no law. Lawlessness. That means the world is not going to be practicing the laws of God closer we get to the end of time and there's going to be like second timothy the third chapter says there's going to be a form of godliness but they're going to deny the power thereof they're going to deny the dunamis d-u-n-a-m-i-s the dunamis or the power we get our word dynamite from that but the dunamis is the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, for it is the power. It is the dunamis. They're going to have a morphe. They're going to have a shape of godliness. They're going to have a form. Morphe means to shape. They're going to have a big steeple on top of their churches and look religious, but the steeple is the is the male genitalia in the ancient world. And they will deny the power of God, which is the resurrection, 
which is the daily dying. Too many S's. Don't tell me. I know that. R-E-S-U-R-E-C-T-I-O-N. All right. But they'll deny the power of God and they'll shape and look like it in all of these modernist churches, which is most of them. They'll get along with the world system because they'll keep their mouths shut about calling anything down that's wrong. They have a slushy gospel. Now, here's the thing that goes along with with this great persecution that we're going to suffer. Iniquity shall abound because the love of many shall wax cold. Wax cold is the word sucho. P-S-U-C-H-O. Sucho. It means to breathe voluntarily gently with a reduction of temperature. It is a spiritual uh, dying because you're your body's getting cold because the love of many will wax cold. Love is agape. The opposite of anomia is love or agape. And agape is walking in the commandments of God. And the world appears to me have nearly stopped walking in God's commandments. The preachers, they're not walking in the commandments of God. God says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. Study means to make a straight cut. Divide the sentence up into a subject and a predicate with a verb here and a direct object here or a predicate nominative over here. And divide it the way it's supposed to be and define the words and the preachers don't do that. The love of many shall wax cold or it will die. We have a spiritual hypothermia going on in the church. The body is dying. That goes along with Second Thessalonians 2 and 2. The day of the Lord will not come except the come of falling away first, apostasis. Apostasis. I said this morning, apostasis comes from apostasion, S-I-O-N, and that means divorce. Church has divorced Christ. Means to stop standing upright or crucifying self. They've done that. Divorce. Huh? Divorce. Yeah, I just kind of stuck the end on it. B-O-R-C-E. I'm writing so fast I can't get it all right. All right. Now, the Bible says there's going to be war with the church. I've talked about, I didn't even have intention of going to this. I got to reading that about all the millions of tons of plastic in the sea. You can study this on your computer and look up all kinds of Scientists saying, "Is there global warming?" Yeah, oh, do we? I ask. Bert Nailrod is a. He's the coach. He's not a coach. He's the doctor. 
the orthopedic surgeon for the Titans. And I asked Dr. Elrod, I said, Dr. Elrod, is there actually, uh, is the ozone burning up around the world? He said, yes, Jim. He said, there's a section of South America down on the tip of Argentina. He said, they have more cancer because they got a great big hole in the ozone down there that just burn up. And what the ozone does is keeps the ultraviolet rays away from us. That's what gives us cancer. And he said it's one of the worst places in the world where the ozone has got a hole in it. And he said certainly it's, it's happening. I've read so much on all of this, I can't even begin to tell you everything that I've read on it. And it don't matter what the Democrats and Republicans say. The Democrats say, well, uh, we do have an ozone problem. And the D Republicans say, no, no, that's just a political statement. Both of you are ignorant because the Democrats say they can cure it by stopping the emission of the chlorofluorocarbons into the atmosphere, and the ozone dis destructive uh, gases from going up there and destroying the ozone. The Bible says you're not going to fix it. Has no answer. Get used to this. You actually think we're going to go back to 1945 when I was a little kid in Fort Worth. I actually saw the invention of the first laundromats. They invented, they created laundromats. I believe it started in Fort Worth. Somebody said it did. And with my mother and my aunts would go out and I'd go out there and a little kid play it. We'd walk through Johnson grass and weeds and there'd be an old building and had a bunch of uh, those washers that had the agitators in them and my mother and my aunts would be up there feeding them through those those rollers to make them dry out and you had to pay 10 cents or something like that to go in there and wash your clothes. You think we're going to go back there? Boy, that would be great if we did. We're not going back there. When these planes would fly over Fort Worth and you had a little business and you wanted to drop leaflets, they would come over, a, I mean, a few hundred feet up and just drop pamphlets and they'd go everywhere for a mile. You can't do that again now. It's against the law. It's called littering. But they did it. You say, shop at so-and-so, clothes cleaned, at, my father would do that kind of stuff. Go out and scatter leaflets and pamphlets everywhere. You can't do that anymore because we got garbage everywhere. Got it on the roads everywhere. Got it in the lakes and the rivers and the oceans. We're not going to go back to where we were. It's not going to happen. What's it's really that? important to have your way, isn't it? Yeah, it's really important to have your way, Mary said. <laughs> People fight for their way. Your way ain't going to mean nothing when this thing starts collapsing. You know that? Now, he talks here in the 15th verse, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. The holy place was the house of God. Let me... Abomination. 
I want to really get this over to you. Because the abomination of desolation is going to be the persecution of the Christians. It's not going to be the Jews building a temple in Jerusalem and doing what the man of sin in the Old Testament did. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes, and he offered a he offered in the temple he offered he goes into Jerusalem after he goes down to Egypt threatens to attack Egypt then an emissary from Rome comes in and says meet me on the island of Cyprus which was called Chittim back then C-H-I-T-T-I-M and he says there's Cyprus right there says, meet me, and he tells this Antiochus Epiphanes, I want to draw a circle around you on the ground. And, of course, they had to, Antiochus Epiphanes was the monarch of Syria, but Rome was ruling the world. And Antiochus could rule in Syria as long as Rome approved of it. But he had gone down to Egypt to attack Egypt. And the emissary from Rome said, I'm going to draw the circle around you. Don't you step out of that circle until you promise me you will not attack Egypt. You understand? He went, yes, sir. And so he packed everything up, packed up his armies, and they go back up here and attack Jerusalem. And he defiles the temple. And you can find that in the 11th chapter of Daniel. And he attacks Jerusalem and offers a swine on the altar. We don't know what all kinds of abominations he did. Some say he raised up an Ashtaroth, an Ashtaroth in the temple of God, and he defiled the temple. There will be a defiling at the end of time. That's the abomination as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. There will be an abomination. B-D-E-L-U-G-M-A. To stink. We get the word B-D-A-E. Bidet. From that. And if you know what a bidet is, it stinks. That's the word abomination. But there will be an abomination of the temple of God at the end of time. They will not build a temple in Jerusalem and start offering a lamb in the temple. First of all, Anybody who starts offering a lamb will be denying that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, won't they? Hebrews, the 10th chapter, he was the one lamb offered once for all the church. Anyone who starts offering a lamb, they'll be denying that Jesus is the one sacrifice offered once for all, won't they? Won't they? They'll be denying that. It would be a righteous thing to stop that. It wouldn't be an abomination to stop it. What is the house of God? 
It's the Holy of Holies. It's the most holy place. This was called the house of God because God lived. I got a verse over here in Isaiah. I believe it is. Isaiah. All right. That'd be us. That's what it stink to God. When they stop us offering the sacrifice that they offered on the altar over here, and they offered a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening, what will be the lamb that they stop over here? It, we are lambs to the slaughter every day. It'll be us. They'll stop our sacrifice. What will it they be stopping? Our sacrifice is death to self. If any man will come after him, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. They'll say, Jim Brown, you can't preach that message here about Kenneth Copeland lying and a Billy Graham lying. Billy Graham was our sacred cow. You can't say that about him. Billy Graham was a liar. He said, I accept Christ and it's not true. He said, sinner's prayer, it's not true. He, I got a picture of him shaking hands with the Pope. Billy Graham was trying to get with the Pope to amalgamate the Catholic Church with Christianity, with the Baptist and the, all the rest of the churches. He was the head of ecumenicalism. Ecumenical movement was the gathering together of all churches and peoples together. When he would give invitations in his so-called crusades, he would take the names of the people down in their denomination, and he would go back and give these cards of the people that walked down his aisles back to their various churches. Take the Catholics, give them back to the Catholic diocese. The Baptist gets in a back to some modernist Baptist church, the Methodist to the Methodist. Most of the people that walked the aisle in a Billy Graham crusade were not people claiming to be believers. I had a lady call me from Cincinnati. She said, when Billy Graham came to Cincinnati, she said, the church has called everybody who wanted to volunteer and be a counselor down at the altar. Uh, she said, They'd have meetings about how we were going to work. And they had the signal as soon as just as I am started, every one of those counselors immediately stepped in the aisle and walked down. She said, when I got down to the front, I start trying to talk to people and counsel with them. She said, everybody I talked to was counselors. You understand? There wasn't people walking down to accept Christ even though it's wrong. Most of them were just counselors gathered down there. Put up deal. Huh? Just a put up deal. It's a put up deal. All of their, all of his, they'll tell, the men who write on Billy Graham will tell you that most of those people went back to their various churches with no change in their lives. He was a false teacher. He was the biggest false teacher in the church in the last 2,000 years. Nobody's been as big a false teacher as he was. He was the most famous and liked person in the world.
He was on the top of the popularity charts where they would take all these polls ever since 1948. It was one, two, or three, usually every year. And he held hands with everybody, with the Pope. I've got several pictures of him with the Pope, with Catholic priests. One Catholic priest said over in Belmont College, said he is more Catholic than otherwise. Said that about Billy Graham. He had on their roads. Yeah. He was, he was a phony. I believe, well, people won't like this, but I believe Billy Graham died and went to hell. Wouldn't that be horrifying after you preached all over the world, generalities, just generalizing to die, and two seconds after you're dead, you feel the flames of hell going, wait a minute, what's happened? I don't, I, he didn't preach the truth. No death to self, no daily cross, no self-denial. Certainly no being hated by the world, was he? At all. The abomination of desolation will be the cessation of a sacrifice over here. The house of God was the inner sanctuary. Hebrews 3 and 6 says, Christ is a son of his own house, whose house are we? And when the Bible says that here in Isaiah, I had a thing in mind here. In Isaiah where he says he dwelt between the cherubim. Dwelt is a word that means to live, to be married to, or build a house. Build a house. Build a house. And he came out of the cloud by day and the fire by night, sat down on the Ark of the Covenant and ruled Israel from there. That's why he was called King of the Jews. Jesus was King of the Jews long before he came to earth. And he ruled Israel from the house. It is the house of God that will be an abomination and we are the house of God and what we have is a daily cross death to self if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily the cross is the same thing as that brazen altar where they offer the lambs every day and they offered the Passover lamb and they offered the atonement goat on that altar that's the cross of Christ and that's our daily cross and they will outlaw us doing this. And they will outlaw the they'll outlaw the bread offering. Bread offering. Along with outlawing the sacrifice. The sacrifice and the oblation will cease. And you find that in Daniel. 9.27 This man that comes will confirm the covenant with many for one week in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Over here Antiochus Epiphanes it was a literal sacrifice and oblation. Over here in the middle of the week he will attack the church. We said that last week in Revelation 11. And to show 
to show, well, let me finish reading this over in Matthew 24, and I'll go back to that. Notice how all this stuff connects together. Look at Matthew 24. How much time do I have, Mike? 18. I'm not getting to where I wanted to go. I was going to go back to 70 weeks of Daniel. I'm leading into this. Matthew 24. The church is going to be under attack at the end of the 70th week. All right. 24. And we being many are one bread. The bread is the body. The body is the church. We're the bread. That is the oblation. And the sacrifice is death to self every day. That will come to a place where it will be outlawed by a world system of some kind. I wouldn't be surprised. They call it a fairness doctrine. It's fair to let false teachers teach their gospel. And Jeremiah, you can preach your gospel, but you can't run down their gospel. But my gospel says I have to run them down and call them down for their lies. Can you see that? They have the fairness doctrine in the Commonwealth of Great Britain. The Commonwealth is everywhere, everyone that's under the Queen. It's allegiance to the Queen. That doesn't just mean England and Ireland and Wales and Scotland. That's talking about Australia, Canada. We can't get on TV in Canada because they have the fairness doctrine there. I can't get on a TV. Now, they can get TV out of somewhere in northern Michigan or northern Wisconsin over in Canada, but they won't let me go on TV up there, will they, Dave? No way. So the fairness doctrine is on the move throughout the world. You cannot take any kind of Christian doctrine into the Arab countries. They come and behead you if you do that. We, America, America lives in a little microcosm. You know what a microcosm is? It's self-contained. You had them in biology in high school. And teacher introduced you to a microcosm. It's got fish and they're breathing and they've got plants and they're breathing off off oxygen or letting out oxygen. So it's all self-contained. America's a self-contained thing. And they actually think the world is like them. And we're here, we're 4.6% of the world's population. We think they're the same thing over here in China, in India. Well, they're not. They're poverty-stricken, they're dying by the millions. The word is out that they want to reduce the population of the world so they'll have enough place to grow food to feed the rest. I don't know if that's true or not, but they say the, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, wants to get the population of the world down. You say, well, we've got all that area out there and Kansas and in Nebraska, why can't we move out there? We've got to have that to grow wheat and corn and food. Now, where did I say we were going? Back to 24th chapter. When you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. The holy place was the house of God. That's us. 
and whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and warn to them that are with child, and them that give suck in those days. The way Luke puts it, Luke says, they're going to be great distress among these people that the women with child and he in Hosea the 13th chapter when Assyria came in and overran Israel the Bible says that they came in pulled the babies out of the women's bellies who were pregnant and dashed their brains out on the streets of Jerusalem you say God wouldn't do that he said you have no pity for me I have none for you Israel but pray ye that your flight be not in winter neither on the Sabbath day, because the Jews wanted to not work or travel on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world of, to this time, no, nor ever shall be the kind of tribulation at the end of time. We've never seen what's going to happen. It's going to get bad. I feel bad for these young children and the young people. You got to live in a world that's not going to cure. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for his elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. If any man says, Lo, here, don't you believe it? Jesus is not there. He said, because the next time, if you say he's in the desert, go not forth there in verse 26. If they say he's in the secret chamber, some grandmother says, I saw Jesus by my bedside last night in my secret chamber in my bedroom. Or if the Mormons say, we, our president, our prophet meets with God in a secret chamber in the Mormon temple, Jesus said they're lying. For as the lightning shineth, cometh out of the east, and shineth even to the west, so shall also the cunning of the Son of Man be. My father used to preach that and say Jesus was coming from the east. All the independent Baptists I was around, they'd say, Jesus is coming out of the east. Be looking to the eastern skies. It's not what it says. Here's the earth. Here's east to the west all the way around the world. When the Bible says when he comes, every eye shall see him. How can we look through the dirt on the other side of the world? I don't know. God has a way of making everybody see him. He is God, isn't he? He performed all kinds of miracles. So everybody's going to see Christ when he comes back. There's a war. I was going to go somewhere else after this, and I forgot where it was. <laughs> there's a war against the church even now I feel alone except for you here I feel like I'm by myself when I'm out here in the world but by the same token I feel like when I'm out in the world and I walk into a grocery store going to Publix or Kroger's I feel like a grown up calculus teacher walking into a kindergarten class 
because nobody knows anything. And I know I am loaded to the hilt in my head with scriptures that will come out of my mouth. And that's why when you get to that point, I don't mean that to boast. I just am. I've studied all my life. And I've found that when you know the truth and other people don't, you can be real gentle with them and say, well, that's not what the Bible says. I've found as I grow older, all I want to do is tell people who want to hear. And that's all. If they want to hear, they're elect. And if they don't want to hear, they're vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. I'm not even interested in talking to them if they don't want it. I hope the church can learn that. You don't need to be fighting somebody to believe. Well, why don't you believe this? The Bible says, well, we believe out of the Baptist church you've got to accept Christ. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Bible. You don't argue with somebody and say, okay, i got to go now. And leave them alone to wallow in their ignorance. Have you figured out you can't convince anybody of anything? Have you figured that out yet? You got to leave people alone. I said it this morning. Don't fight people. God's got everything arranged. Leave people alone. Don't get mad at them. Don't fight them. If they want you to do something that's reasonable, just do it. Don't argue. That is not the nature of Christianity to argue and fight. We're not supposed to be doing that. If you're doing that, you're living in the flesh is what you're doing. And until you learn that living for the Lord is not living, everybody has a hard time getting over self, don't we, when we're young? If God's got it all planned and he's declared the end from the beginning, he's already got your life to run into the people tomorrow that you don't want to run into and you don't like. So go ahead and just leave it alone. Back away from it. You're not going to fix it. You're not going to change them. And you're not going to change the situation. That's kind of like... Huh? I've been praying lately. God, make me want what you want. Yeah, that's it. Make, that's if you feel like you're alone we're all in this together aren't we yeah. all of us we're in this for the duration until Jesus comes or till they declare war against the believers and they've got a war declared look over here in Revelation Revelation 13 Everywhere you go in the New Testament, you got the church at war with the world. But just because the world is at war with you, it don't mean you're supposed to fight them. You're outnumbered in the flesh. In the spirit, you leave them alone, say, do what you will to my flesh. I'm not involved. That's why I pray the prayer of David every day. I pray Lord, I used to want to fight my own battles, but I want you to plead my cause. Rube, R-U-W-B, wrestle, fight. Lord, if there's any wrestling to do, you do it. I'm not even going to get angry at him. I don't even get angry at anybody anymore. I used to. Don't. I've learned something that a lot of people as believers hasn't learned. As you get, as your situation changes all through the day, 
you have to constantly say, this too is the will of God. Have you learned that yet? Oh, what about when somebody does me wrong and they're running my car on purpose? Say, this too is the will of God. I had a guy run into my car one time on purpose. I was in real estate. Had a brand new town car, beautiful car. It was really gorgeous, better than most. <laughs> it was really pretty. Yeah, they called it a lanyard. And uh, it was only about six months old. Had white leather seats and blue piping around the seats and a carriage roof and pinstripes along the side. It was pretty. And I was riding in the middle of a, I was in a turn lane going into the real estate company where I worked. I had the turn light on. Pickups headed right towards me. And I had a lady in the car showing her houses. And I said, that guy's not going to stop. And I pulled the wheel to the right and hit the gas. And he went, zzzz, ripped the entire side out of it. From front to back. Mary thinks it's funny. <laughs> She'd like that car. When she drove it, she had to look through the steering wheel. I hate this car. And uh, I got out of the car. I was very calm. I said, there were some people standing around. I said, look what the Lord did. I was very calm. I understood that it was the will of God. And this guy was wanting to commit suicide, and he only had, like, he just got out of the hospital. They'd given him three months to live, so he's going to run into me and get out of here. Go wherever he was going for eternity. But he didn't get to do that because I pulled away. He just took the entire side of that car out. I didn't get mad because I knew it was the will of God. I knew I couldn't control him. I've known that about a lot of things. Learn that about your life. When you have an adversary... They're only your adversary if you're not reacting to them the way you should. You're not supposed to fight anyone as a believer. You've got enough fight with the world system, but you're not to be fighting the world system. You're to be leaving them alone because they're going to attack the church. The Bible says that in Revelation, the 13th chapter. You realize it says that all through the Bible that the church is going to go under attack at the end of time. Uh -huh. You're fighting God is what you're fighting. You're fighting the sovereign will of God when you fight anyone. When you get anger in your mind and it comes out your mouth and out your fist, you're fighting God. And guess what? You ain't going to win, Jim Brown. I don't fight God anymore. Boy, I used to. You're fighting the sovereign will of God when you fight Oh, I was going to show you the 11th chapter when these two witnesses, which is the priest and the king, they go under attack by the world ruling system. This is the end of the 70 weeks, of the 70th week of Daniel, 70 weeks. And the Bible says after three days and a half, that's three and a half years, the spirit of life from God entered into the two witnesses, which is the priest and the king, which is the church. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell on them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven. That's 
the rapture at the end of time, the last trump. That shows you that. This shows you that the 70th week is separated from the 69 weeks. I'll come back to that next week and show you that. I, I just had a desire to tell you that all of this trouble in the world is not going to stop. Jobs being hard to find, that ain't going to stop. The government being on hold right now, that kind of thing is not going to stop. Nothing's going to stop. If you're looking for better times, it ain't going to come. The world is full of self. That's right. That's right. And that's the orgay. The world being full of self is the orgay. It's better to not fight anyone and get along with God than it is to fight each other. I'm on this, and I'm going to say this a lot. Because I've had people in the church at each other's throats and gossiping and whispering around. If you hear some whispers, say, shh, I don't want to hear it. Do you know that gossip is just talking about something because you want attention? That's all it is. Whispering to somebody about this other person is because you want attention. Gossip is not necessarily something that's not true. It's something with your inflection on it with your opinion involved it's something with your leaning in it i said if you say if you say a word and you change the inflection on it it has a negative tone to it that's gossip i don't care if the facts are true it's still gossip let's pray father thank you for truth help us lord to stop our fighting. We've got enough problems in the world without fighting in the church. Thank you for all that you do. You fight our battles, Lord. I can't fight anymore. I'm tired. I'm old. I'm wild. You sure have beat me down to make me understand this. If that's what it takes to cause other people to understand then take them through it, Lord. I've learned the best thing to do is love the brethren, be patient and kind, gentle. Thank you for that lesson. We'll give you praise for all things in Christ's name. Amen. amen. Well, maybe we'll learn that this stuff ain't going to go away. I hope y'all can see the picture that I'm trying to paint. It is a picture. 